I think the level of responsibility you feel impacts you differently. I don't want to say it has different weight, but it impacts you differently when you're dealing with an entity than dealing with an individual. You're listening to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast, the only leadership podcast run by undergraduate students dedicated to helping undergraduate students lead in diverse fields. From people in diplomacy to entertainment, from CEOs to student leaders, we feature people from all walks of life. It's all part of the mission. Here at the Piscina Leadership Institute, we make leaders better. Hello and welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. This week, we welcome Catherine Buzang, Dean and Professor at Law at Seton Hall University. She got her bachelor's at Boston College in Management and Theology, then got a Master of Laws at Yale and a doctorate at Washington University in St. Louis. Now she works at Seton Hall, having previously held titles such as Associate Dean and Vice Provost. She's also a board member of the St. Joseph Healthcare System. Let's start with going back to the basics. You attended Boston College and earned your bachelor's in management and theology. What interested you about studying both of those simultaneously? Um, My father made me do the management one. (laughs) I didn't want to do it. And my father's view of getting a college education was that it was all about getting a job. And he didn't see the point. He didn't see the connection between theology and getting a job. However, It turns out that the analytical skills you learn in theology are exactly the same analytical skills um, to succeed in law school. Mm -hmm. So I got a point in that column, but I ended up being a dean. So my father got a point in his column. (laughs) So um, what are some, if any, connections between those two fields? Between theology and business? Yes. Well, ultimately, we are here to do good and to be good. And so theology has infused my life and my faith. And the business degree um, provided me the tools to be successful on the path I ended up taking. So next you attended Washington University of St. Louis to receive your doctor of law. What inspired you to switch fields? I always planned to go to law school despite the fact that my parents were not excited about it uh, because um, they were worried about um, continuing education. Um, They thought it important to get a job, but I had always planned to go to law school and it's, I can't imagine what I would have done if I didn't do that. So it was all about where I would land, not what I would be doing. Yeah. So to top it all off, you went to Yale for your master's of law. How was that experience being one of the top law schools in the country? So it was dramatically different. And I went to Yale after practice because I decided I wanted to become a law professor, which many professors figured that out during law school and I did not. And so Yale focuses not exclusively but intentionally on preparing people to be political leaders or academics. And so it is uh, much more theoretical, but it also was a place of privilege, to be frank. And that was my first experience of that kind of environment. And I found it interesting. So what was one of your favorite things that you learned in law school? 
I most enjoyed attending speakers, going to various speakers programs, because that is what broadened my horizons or introduced me to people who had particular impact on me with respect to their success and their leadership experience. If you can remember, what is one speaker that had a great impact on you? So Catherine McKinnon is, you're nodding your head, so you know who she is. <laughs> I went to see her speak multiple times. She has a portfolio of styles, um, depending upon who her audience is, which I think is a gift in and of itself. She's brave and she's extraordinarily bright and has blazed a path that has created much opportunity for many women, um, all socioeconomic classes and race and ethnicity. I also remember in particular Wilma Mankiller, who was the um, first female um, chief of a, a tribe. And I just had great respect for the power and the courage it takes to be first. So while achieving that degree, you also worked as an attorney for Greenswelder, Hemker and Gale, PC, mm -hmm. I'm saying it correct. Can you describe a little bit about that company and what you did during your time with them? Sure, it was a law firm and I was in the health law department and worked for a Catholic healthcare system with hospitals in 14 states. And it gave me an opportunity to really merge all of my educational experience, having gotten a degree in theology helped me very much navigate the ethical and religious directives that govern the provision of Catholic healthcare. Having a business degree made me a better lawyer because much of what I did was involved with business counseling. And of course, I loved being a lawyer and being a lawyer for nonprofit Catholic hospitals launched me to have a lifelong passion for supporting and working with Catholic healthcare. So being that it is a healthcare group, how do you think representing an entire system and organization is different from representing an individual client? Oh, that's a fabulous question because most of my practice was representing entities. And I'm actually acutely aware that there is a tremendous difference between representing, I think there's a big difference between representing individuals and entities. Um, I don't think while you get attached to the people with whom I you're think working, the level of responsibility when you represent you an feel entity impacts you, and you differently. Can be I don't want to say it has some different the problems weight, that you're dealing with, but to it be very emotional differently and sad when you're dealing with it's an not entity the same kind of dealing with personal connection, representing individual clients. And I think the level of responsibility you feel impacts you differently. I don't want to say it has different weight but it impacts you differently when you're dealing with an entity than dealing with an individual. So that was a very insightful question you asked. <laughs> Thank you. So I know you touched on this a little bit, but what about your theology background helped you with law? Um, I did mention that it's um, very much reading and interpreting text and then applying it to a scenario. Um, if you're talking about ethics, for example. Um, so both of those things, um, are similar in both law and theology. But if you aspire to live a life inspired by faith 
and to have impact on the world and to make a difference, those are many of the same motivators for why I and many of my students become lawyers. You, I mean, I say all the time, I keep using the word impact because that's what I say to my students. How are you going to have impact? And are you going to have impact on individual lives, on the law, on the system of justice? I don't, I don't have a preference as to which of those choices that I or my students make, but it is imperative um, to me that they choose a pathway that will enable them to have impact for the better. And so I think law and, a law and living a life of faith both aspire to accomplish those things. So on the same token, how did it make it difficult? Because I can imagine sometimes it may be hard to come to a decision when you have certain beliefs. You are trained well as a lawyer that your duty of loyalty is to the system of justice. Sometimes we say we are officers of the court mm -hmm. and to the needs of the client. And so while there may be times where you, rare, rare times where you elect to not accept a client because you know you just can't do it, um, I think that if we are a helping profession and we believe that people deserve legal representation in order to navigate the good and the bad of life, I don't think there are that many conflicts um, between being a person of faith and being a lawyer, especially if you're representing a cause that is consistent with both but especially if you're representing an individual in need. Great response. So shortly after your time as an attorney, you became a professor and joined the Seton Hall faculty in 1990. Was there a reason you chose not to continue pursuing being a lawyer? So I was seeking, I loved, loved, loved being a lawyer and I think I was good at it. Mm -hmm. But you know, the work you do and the intellectual engagement of being a lawyer is driven by um, the problem that the client has and also the outcome the client wants. And so you don't control what your intellectual engagement is. You're doing the work that the client needs. And being a professor, you have the freedom to be engaged by whatever your passion is, whatever issues you care about. And the position you take is not dictated by anybody but yourself. And so those were the primary reasons I elected to become a professor. So you've held quite a few positions with the school from associate dean, vice provost, and professor. Which would you say has been most fulfilling to you? So I surprised myself, but perhaps this goes back to my having to say my father might have been right about my college major. I did not know I was entrepreneurial. And so the theme that connects almost everything I've done on the administrative side, which you're right, has been much of my career, is the opportunity to be entrepreneurial and to, um, um, I, am, I am stimulated, I am intellectually engaged by challenges and by opportunity. And so um, the administrative roles um, are really 
um, I thrive doing administrative roles, but I also very much miss and like um, research and scholarship and solving problems. But that's the connection, right? Um, research and scholarship is solving problems mm -hmm. and being an administrator is solving problems or seeking opportunity or new ways to do things. So that I think connects both aspects of my life. So what do you enjoy the most about teaching law considering the fact that you studied it for many years? Inspiring to people, inspiring our students to think of how to um, do things better and to inspire them to find new resolutions because uh, we as a society have a few problems that need solving. And I want them to be brave and courageous and take on those problems and figure it out. So what is one moment that you've had like with a student that you always remember in terms of the impact you've had on him? So those are more on the personal side, um, helping a student navigate crises mm -hmm. and enabling them to persist despite the barriers um, that they experience. And there's a lot of personal moments I've had that um, do still um, stay with me. And I don't know if they remember, but I think I actually, I wanna correct that. One of the wonderful things about doing the work I've done is that things, there have been many moments where students or graduates have come back to me and said, thank you for, so much for this moment in life. And I don't even, to me, it was a small thing that, that of course I would do that, or of course I would figure that out, that had outsized impact on their life and really was not, did not require much of me at all. You know, there are bigger moments that I do remember, especially when you couldn't help a student, those moments I do remember, but you don't know how you touch people's lives. And that's what lawyers get to do. Mm. And that's why I think it's so wonderful to be a lawyer. So now we're going to move into the part about leadership. What role does leadership play in both teaching and law? Well, first of all, we are role models. And so it is very important to me, whether it is dress or how we interact socially or how we interact professionally, both of which should be driven by respect and kindness. People always deserve that you are very well prepared for an encounter, whether it is social, um, reading their LinkedIn page, um, or business, you walk in prepared. And so those to me are the floor of um, being a leader, because um, being a leader is being prepared, role modeling behavior that you want those whom you oversee to reflect and to show people the respect of being prepared. Who is one leader that you look up to in your field? You know, I just attended the wake um, and funeral of um, one of the most important mentors in my life. And one of the, the most inspiring things about the experience is that there were multiple generations of women who had flown in from around the country, who she had mentored 
who were CEOs, who were board members. I was probably one of the youngest people um, of this group of women. Mm-hmm. And she was invested. It was a very intentional act that she was invested in the success of women leaders coming after her. And she was all in. She trained people and then she helped place them. And she is a person, I just had dinner with her because she was living in Massachusetts and I had dinner with her in Massachusetts. I still went to her for advice. So yeah, that's commitment and it needs to be intentional. Where in your career did you meet her? She was a board member at Seton Hall University. And I think it was Monsignor Sharon, who was president like four presidents ago and actually was the officiating priest at the funeral. I think he introduced us. Are there any leadership related books that you recommend? That's a funny question because (laughs) (laughs) I went through a short phase where I read leadership books and then I was executing what I got out of one book in particular and I drove everybody nuts. And so (laughs) I decided that that wasn't the right pathway for me. It was pretty funny because people were like, oh my God, where did you get these ideas from? So I actually do better by um, working in non-academic contexts with business people, whether it be on a board or on search committees. And I learn my leadership skills that way more effectively than reading books. Do you remember the name of the book by any chance? No, I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) The last question is, what is the best advice you have for any student who aspires to break into a career in law? Make sure you want to do it. It is very hard work, um, starting with studying for the LSATs, um, doing the application, and then getting through law school, studying for the bar exam, and then your entire career. It is hard work. So you must love it and you must be conscious that you're committing yourself to a pathway where other people are always depending upon you to solve their problems, which can be a little stressful. Um, you have to learn how to manage the stress and you, you can't work that hard if you don't love it. Well, that's all the time I have for you today. I appreciate you so much for coming on to this leadership. Ashley, you're a delight. And I thank (laughs) Thank you you and Kai for inviting me. I'm truly flattered. On behalf of everyone at the Pasita Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank the podcast team, 89.5 FM WSOU for allowing us to use their facilities and you for listening. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership on Instagram at Pasita Leaders and on Twitter at SHU Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.